on today's episode. Ah, the teaser, a classic element of podcasting. And now comes the part where the host gets energetic and plays that theme song. Let's start the pod! Hello and welcome to The Song Will Go On, the podcast inspired by the songs, inspired by the motion pictures. I'm your co-host, Sophia Matano, and joining me is your other co-host, Paolo Grassini. Hey, Paolo. Hey, so what's up? <laughs> I love it when you drive the pod. I don't know. I feel like it's in better hands with you oh, on the stop. steering wheel. I'm excited. <laughs> also... I'm excited because we're doing our first needle drop, so That's right. So if you're listening at home and that song pricked your ears and you said, hey, that's not an original song, you're correct. That is usually what we cover, original songs for movies, but we wanted to pay homage to the art of needle drops. And that's when a pre-existing song is dropped into a movie, much like dropping the needle on a vinyl record. And the song you heard, by the way, it's Della by Johnny Clegg. From the movie George of the Jungle and Sylph, you picked. Because this this is the deal with needle drops. We're both going to pick choices. Sophie got the first pick. Mm-hmm. What's up, Soph? Right. So our needle drop episodes, each one's devoted to one of our picks. I'm going first this time. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit of our impressions about the movie, how the needle drop is utilized in the film, and then just ch- chat about the song itself. It's going to be super fun. Yeah. So I think to mention is these are shorter condensed episodes and these are part of our Patreon perk. For those who don't know about Patreon is a place where you can support us directly. You can help us growth. and We offer perks. Really trying to throw the kitchen sink to Patreon. Really get you guys excited about that space. Let's start with like we got the Discord channel. We're trying to build a community there. And we want to talk about not just soundtracks, music, vinyl movies like we have such a great group going there i love it i love the discord channel and like sophie mentioned we're gonna do exclusive episodes for patreon called needle drops which are this talking about songs that are not created originally but are used in films in very cool ways and we're gonna even throw more we actually this month of september we started doing our soundtrack monthly playlist so apart from that you get like a playlist exclusive to our patreon in that playlist, we have songs that we are discovering for research coming for our episodes. We're actually listening to on our end. And also just classic soundtrack songs we're just like really into in the moment. And stuff from new movies. Uh, we threw in there, uh, The Woman King just came out and has a really cool song. Yeah, that's brand new. Yeah, so that's another perk for Patreon. And guess what? We're going to keep thinking about more. So I want to also shout out our patrons. 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 You guys, you don't know how much Sophie and I <laughs> practice this word. No, no. And I Sophie knows it. what the word no, is. No, 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 no. Me, me. I, I mean, I practice this word and I'm just going to try. And my, this might be like a running bit where I just like one day I'll get it. But our patrons of the Patreon. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> but I want to give a shout out to Robert M, Darlene, Melissa G, Vionis, and Mario. Thank you guys so much for being our founding members, I should say. <laughs> you guys are helping us grow the podcast. 
get extra resources. We couldn't be more grateful to you and to everyone who's going to join in the future. For those who are just discovering the podcast right now, every Tuesday, new episodes. That's where we drop new episodes every Tuesday. With that said, so let's get back to our song for the day, our needle drop, our first needle drop. You got the first pick. Mm -hmm. I want to know why. Well, this was inspired by some current events. Uh, recently, the actor Brendan Fraser has been getting a lot of love on the Internet. Yes. Yeah. He, so he left acting for a period of time, but he's back now in front of the camera and he, he's appearing in Darren Aronofsky's The Whale. And Fraser's been getting like long standing ovations, getting Oscar buzz. And um, what's especially touching is his reaction. Have you seen him crying? Yes. To like the, oh my God. I don't think he really didn't know how beloved he was. I was thinking about this. And my theory, my half big theory is millennials. Now we're obviously of age mm -hmm. and he's such a big part of millennials. Oh, yeah. Movie I mean, movie fandom. Yeah. The mummy franchise. I know. But he also kind of hasn't been consistent like he, he kind of went away and he did in, in quotes because not really he's been doing great work in doom patrol and stuff like that but he he just he hasn't been in front of the camera in front of the camera with the stardom power that he had when we were discovering movies and now it's it's almost like he's he's come back when we are yearning for some of that nostalgia you <laughs> when know? we needed him most when we needed him <laughs> most and i'm all fucking for it i love the mommy i love brandon fraser and i actually I am a fan of Jungle. Well, yeah. So I was going to say most people probably are big fans of The Mummy. When they think Brendan Fraser, they think Mummy. However, my favorite Brendan Fraser movie is George of the Jungle. And that's why I have selected Della by Johnny Clegg for our first needle drop. I say All right, just because this is a short episode, we don't cut any corners. So, Sophie, <laughs> give me your movie setup because you still brought it. You All always right. bring it. <laughs> All right, here's the short and sweet version. George of the Jungle is a 1997 adventure comedy film directed by Sam Weissman based on the 1967 animated TV show of the same name, which was a spoof of the character Tarzan from the Edgar Rice Burroughs novel. Yeah, think? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it stars Brendan Fraser as George, Leslie Mann as his love interest, Ursula, Thomas Hayden Church as the villain of the story, Lyle, and John Cleese as the voice of Ape, George's dear gorilla friend. In the film, George is a human that has been raised by the ape named Ape in the African <laughs> jungle. <laughs> Don't give me credit for that one. They say that know, in the song. Yeah, okay. uh, his first contact with humans comes when he rescues Ursula Stanhope from a lion. After spending much time with George in the jungle, she leaves her fiance Lyle and brings George back to San Francisco, much to the disapproval of her family. However, when George learns that the gorilla who raised him has been captured by Lyle and his poacher lackeys, he must return for a rescue mission. Will George make it in time to save Ape? Will George and Ursula fall in love? Will Lyle win in the end? You sound like the narrator of the movie. Will George yeah. actually get his <laughs> no, way? No, you did it much better. <laughs> It premiered number two at the box office behind Men in Black, which had been number one for three weeks at this point. Uh, but it raked in $174.4 million against its $55 million budget. God, that's just a peak of 
Brandon Fraser's star power. Yeah. He was on fire for a while. Absolutely. The movie generally received mixed to mostly negative reviews, but actually Siskel and Ebert gave it two thumbs up and three out of four stars. Uh, They praised the comedic performances and Siskel wrote, what sets the film apart is a script that has the good sense to laugh at itself. Yeah. And not to get ahead of ourselves, but I completely agree with Siskel. I think that that is the enduring legacy of this movie and what really sets it apart from other family adventure films at this time. All right. So, so tell me about 1997. Mm-hmm. Are you watching Jerry of the Jungle? Oh, yeah. Why are you into it? This movie, I thought it was funny when I was a kid. Watching it as an adult, <laughs> there are so there's so much more here than I thought that there yes. was. Like the layers keep coming. And in the time of all these Disney movies, there are the jokes for the kids and then the, there are the jokes for the adults. And this movie, I think both. Yeah. It definitely has both. I think it might even lean on jokes for the adults. Like I'm I, I have yes. a much stronger appreciation for this movie as an adult. I think than I did as a child. So I actually had this on VHS. Me too. I watched it a lot. Mm -hmm. Having said that, I couldn't tell you when I was watching it back then, but like, this movie is so aware of itself. And the the punches, I was like, like, I couldn't tell you This movie breaks the fourth wall. (laughs) I was just like, this is a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And I just liked it. Yeah, I like it when he crashes into a tree. Exactly. That was probably my review when I was six years old watching this. Yeah, and Brandon (laughs) Frazier has a lot of charisma and he's funny. Yes. You know, and and it's just funny. The, 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 The... Ape character worked for me. <laughs> John, know, yeah. I'm just going to say, it worked on, on that level. Uh-huh. And I think, I can't remember who I was talking about with at work. And they were like, oh, low-key, Giorgio Django is like an underrated gem. Oh, thousand percent. And I was like, really? I mean, I loved it when I was a kid, but I was like, underrated gem. Mm-hmm. I think I mentioned it to you, like an offhand comment. And you're like, absolutely. I love that movie. I have it. I watch it all the time. I'm like, really? Okay. And then we watched it. And exactly what you were saying, I was like, oh, my God, these jokes are so clever, mm-hmm. so witty. This movie's so aware of itself. It's so funny. Like, it's just joyful. It's, it just makes you laugh, makes mm-hmm. you feel great. That term, I feel like, gets thrown a lot. Oh, this movie's aware of itself. Right. It's just like, like, like Cisco said, like being able to make fun of itself. We're not trying to tell, tell jokes that are... Not trying to pass their jokes as more clever than what they are, acknowledging that they're kind of silly and for therefore they work because the movie acknowledges them. Yeah, totally agree. And the physical humor works, you know? One of the jokes that comes to mind is obviously perhaps the best joke in the movie, if not, I mean, for me, something happens, it's so cliche, and any other movie that will be such a low point or like, ah, you roll your eyes. Okay, I, I, I know what moment you're talking about. So, yeah, big shout out to these characters who are sort of the uh, the guides through the African jungle. They are... They steal the movie. They absolutely steal every, the movie. Every scene yeah. they are, they are the comedic relief and they steal it. Right. So what, at this point in the movie, they are leading our villain around uh, because he's employed them to guide him through the jungle and are in, in a mo- moment that's hilarious to any six-year-old. Lyle falls in elephant poop. Bad guy falls in poop. Classic element of physical comedy. Now comes the part where we throw our heads back and laugh. Ready? Ready! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so they took the cheap joke, which is... Or that, it's not even the joke. The setup is that he yes, falls in poop. Exactly. And then the actual joke is the commentary on it. Can't say enough about their laugh. There's yes. something infectious about laugh. Uh-huh. And their their laugh is just just makes me laugh. 
Uh huh. And and this is a great example of the kid joke is that he falls in poop. The adult joke is that we're making fun of the trope of him falling in poop. <laughs> Speaking of this trio, my favorite joke of the movie, that's not it, mm. close one, but as someone who works in video production, this joke just has me rolling in the floor. And it's a moment where Lyle, the, the bad guy who, absolutely great performance, we're chat like this is Hugh oh. Grant Paddington 2, but back in the day, like oh. this is the equivalent of him. To this day, when I see this man show up in something, I'm like, oh, it's Lyle, I hate <laughs> Lyle. <laughs> He's, he really does a great performance. Yes. But going back to that trio of comedic relief, there's a joke where Lyle takes out a Polaroid camera and he's trying to explain to the guides who he thinks they don't know anything about cameras or anything because he's like, oh, yeah, there there are jungle guides and they're unaware of modern technology, whatever. And he's trying to explain to them. And then one of the guides just here, I'm just going to play the clip. Lakini napenda 35 millimeter Zaidi. I love it. 35. He takes out his digital 35 millimeter yeah. camera and just takes a photo. Yeah, I'm just going to play more. Translation, please. He says that he likes your magic pictures, but he prefers the resolution of the Leica 35 millimeter transparency. <laughs> he also says that your lens is dirty, but he has the equipment to clean it for you. <laughs> I love it. Such a buzz move. Bring up a, a Leica digital. Take a step yeah. of him. The way he just. Uh, yes. And it's also just like a really great storytelling moment because it has told us a lot about Lyle's character. Like if we want to step back and look at it a little bit more seriously, Lyle is being totally prejudiced in this moment. He's trying to explain to these African guides like he has this magic camera that takes pictures and they're like, we know what a fucking camera is, idiot. Yeah. Like you're the dumbass in this situation. But that's the thing. I feel like there's been versions of this in other movies that are playing at series like I, I i i'm not saying specifically like say indiana jones or i don't know just i'm sure i'm blanking out but there's move i've seen this type of interactions in movie where actually the other characters act like they don't know what like the camera is and you roll your eye being like oh this Hollywood, like oh yeah, like you know. a like a trading with the natives kind, kind of, of situation, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. I just think it's like a very clever moment of what we're saying. Like, is you said it, it's using a good joke, storytelling, mm -hmm. and also a third layer of commenting. So that's the kind of thing I feel like it's just sprinkled out through this movie that just, it's a really fun watch. Yeah. I think why I have a much bigger appreciation for this movie as an adult is because this movie is for the ladies. I just yeah. I was say that. So I was going to say, look, yeah. we started with Brandon Frazier. Uh -huh. How did we not also start talking about Hall of Fame moment for Brandon Frazier's body? Oh, my God. He looks incredible. I'm currently in like pandemic body phase. Oh, stop. And <laughs> watching Hero of the Jungle makes me really motivated to like get not swing, but like get out there and like. Maybe that's what you need. You need some vines. I need some. I need <laughs> yeah. some vines. I'm gonna go Hollywood vines. Yeah, and swing on. The uh, but this movie, you know how we talk a lot about the male gaze with movie making, and women are sort of in a. There's a voyeuristic quality I'm, to how we look at them, and then there there are some clothing choices. I know how you're going. <laughs> yeah. You said this on the Kevin Costner uh, mm -hmm. Robin Hood episode. You yes. you appreciate a good like. Let's sexualize the man. Let's movie. ogle him a little bit. Yeah, let, yeah, yeah. In a way that a woman would 
ogle a man, you know? And, and first of all, major kudos that despite the fact that uh, Leslie Mann's character Ursula is in the jungle, it's not like she's like half naked or anything. Like George is the naked one. Yeah, Ursula yeah. gets to keep her clothes on for once. A woman gets to keep her clothes on in a jungle movie. Then there's a moment when Ursula has taken George to like her stuffy buttoned up country club and he's running with horses and he has like a Fabio moment where like his <laughs> hair the, is blowing are, are, are also yeah. like, and all like... the women are watching him and then the men are <laughs> behind them and they're like what is it with chicks and horses <laughs> like they don't get it <laughs> and like but that I think sort of shows like an understanding of what is sexy to a lot of women which is this gentle man running with horses and 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 like showing you know it's not like a feat of strength it's like his understanding and appreciation for the horse selfie be honest and mm -hmm. i want pure honesty okay do you think i can pull off a good running with the horse scene you think i would look good <laughs> <laughs> or would i look be like can someone help that guy he's gonna get trampled you think i could i could pull off the suave I think you could, but I think I need my long hair from my 20s. That's you need, what I need. Yes, you need your long hair back. And then also, I think you have to come to an understanding with the horse. Like, I think that that's a big part of it. I, I'm good at like making sounds like he like and like come, come. I, somehow I don't think that that's what George was doing when all those ladies were like, wow, he's so hot. No, you're right. I have a hard pressing question for you. I'm ready. You gotta, I guess you got to represent the female point of view in this podcast. I'll do my best. Which would you take? Brandon Frazier in the jungle or Brandon Frazier in San Francisco? Oh, that's a tough one. Like, do you want the bod or do you want him wearing the whatever Fabio clothes, but looking like with perfume and shit? <laughs> um. I'll take horse Brendan Fraser because he doesn't have the jack. He has the blazer off and then the, the white shirt is like unbuttoned just enough. And it's flow, you know, because it's the 90s, it's oversized. Yeah. But we still know what's under also, there. Also, the, the odor part might be better in San Francisco. Oh, that's true. You know. Yeah. Visual medium, but we don't get the, the smells. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Is this a great moment for the name Ursula? Yeah, yeah, this is really redemption for the name Ursula. Redemption. As a kid, it really stood out at me. You mean like Ursula? Like, isn't she evil? She's gonna like throw George out of a tree or something? Mm -hmm. No, she was great. She was good. Uh, I can't, I can't see Leslie Mann without thinking about this movie. I don't know. This was the first time I saw Leslie Mann, and I think it's still my reference point for her. Yeah, like now I get like you know she's like power couple with Jude Apatow, and now her daughter and all that stuff. But yeah. she's like she's still Ursula. And we gave Brendan Fraser kudos on how he looks, but we have to give it to Leslie Mann too. She looks stunning. The eyes. Yeah, her eyes, her hair, that curly blonde hair. I like the voice. I love her. Yeah, I, I yeah, love, love her voice. I, I movie, also like, love her I love voice. Her voice. Like, yeah. It's very charming. And I'm, I'm so glad that we have a leading lady moment for her because I feel like for a period of time in her career, she was doing supporting roles. And I think that that's coming back around now to that star power that she has, but I think that she's a fantastic lead in this movie. You know, God, just speaking of Ursula, her parents also. Yeah. Those are really good comedic performances too. Like this, there's so many just people who show up and have, I wouldn't say not a lot to do, but not a lot of moment, not a lot of screen time. And yet are deliver these like really funny performances. 
the two henchmen are also really funny mm-hmm. that help Lyle capture the animals. All of the performances in this movie are so good. And we've talked a lot about how funny this movie is and how funny the performances are. But I also think that this movie, the sincerity of it yeah. is, is, is really heartwarming. It's heartwarming. Yeah, I was yeah. at the same time, yes. Yeah, and I, I really believe their connection and their love. And a big part of that is the scene where they connect while we have this needle drop Della playing. Oh, are you saying it's time for Della? I am, but first let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will dive into our needle drop. We're back and we're talking about my needle drop pick for this episode. It's Della by Johnny Clegg. So are we getting a song set up too? Yeah, let's get into it. Dan, look at it. No expenses spare. <laughs> so Della is a love song written by South African musician Johnny Clegg and performed by him with his band Savuka. The song appeared on their 1989 album Cruel, Crazy, Beautiful World and is in English and Zulu. Della means complete and satisfied in Zulu. It's been described as Clegg's best known song among a Western audience. Clegg was born in England in 1953 and moved to South Africa at the age of six. He learned the Zulu language and the Maskandi guitar, Maskandi being a kind of Zulu folk music. This was uh, during the apartheid, however, and Johnny Clegg's association with black musicians often led to arrests as white and black people were not allowed to congregate after certain hours. He has performed in the duo Jaluka and the band Savuka, which we mentioned earlier, both of which include black and white members. While Clegg asserted that he was not a political figure, he acknowledged uh, performing in a mixed race band in South Africa at this time was a political act. Savuka released an anti-apartheid song in support of Nelson Mandela when he was imprisoned entitled Asimbonanga. This is a Zulu word meaning we have not seen him, which references how it was illegal to publish any photos of Mandela during the time that he was a prisoner of the state. Because of these reasons, Clegg is considered a prominent figure in the resistance to the apartheid. Della is not quite as serious. Uh, It's a love song about having waited for your love and the comfort that comes with finding it. It appears in the singing when George encourages Ursula to dance with him around a fire pit in the jungle. She's too embarrassed, but George doesn't really understand the concept of embarrassment, having not grown up with humans. (laughs) No people here to look stupid for. She throws caution to the wind and they dance together and it appears again at the end of the film during their jungle wedding. All right. So this is your pick. I don't want to steal your thunder. (laughs) So I have to ask, you had this strong connection with the movie. Was it also to the song? Yes, this movie definitely introduced me to this song. And I think because it is so successful in the scene that it appears in. It's added another appreciation for me to this song. Like, I mean, it's also just it, it's a fantastic song. It makes me feel joyful, joyful yeah. and light and really happy. And it, it's it, something it, that the movie also does. Absolutely. As we explore needle drops, there's so many things songs can do to scenes. 
They can be juxtaposition. They can do compliment them, change the scene. This is an exclamation point. Absolutely. This is a multiply the feeling that the scene is trying to give you of joy of celebration. And this song just takes it just up a notch significantly. And at least that's what I can say about the song. It, it just brings me joy. And mm-hmm. I, I obviously had the film in VHS we talked about it and I saw it, but I, I didn't, I wasn't aware of the song. It mm-hmm. was a couple of years back when I rewatched the movie and like appreciate it as an adult and how clever it was. And then I also noticed the song and I added it to like my soundtrack playlist and I would just mm-hmm. listen to it all the time. I like, I love it. And also every time I'm having like a joyful moment in life, I'll play this. Yeah. And it does that same thing. <laughs> I love it, that. It has like this exclamation point. So I love it. Yeah. I think that the song perfectly sums up George and Ursula's relationship. Um, and it kind of serves as a love theme for them because the song appears twice. Like again, at the ending. Ursula comes from kind of like a stuffy, conservative, like buttoned up world. And I mean, yeah, she couldn't even dance. She was so like, this is embarrassing or I don't want to make a fool of myself improper. And yeah. And and George teaches her how to like free herself from those constrictions. Um, George dances like no one is watching because up until this point, no no human had ever watched before. Um, And I think the song sounds like letting go. Yes. Yes. It, it's up-tempo. George is such a positive, gentle soul, and I think that this song just perfectly captures that. The blind bird sings inside the cage that is my heart. The image of your face comes to me when I'm alone in the dark. I have to say, this might be my favorite research episode. I'm not joking. I learned so much about Johnny Clegg. This man has blown my mind away. Yeah. He has such an interesting life. Could absolutely be a movie, but I think we need to talk about Johnny Clegg for a bit because... I would love that. It's fascinating. So at the age of 15, he had interest in music. Mm-hmm. And then in South Africa at that time where it was by law, legally segregated mm-hmm. by race, he stumbled upon this... African musician playing in the street and he was just captivated by like the technique he was playing. Here, let's play a little bit of Johnny, like explain this moment. Mm-hmm. I went up to the store and there was this chap playing a guitar. I was really small for 15. I stood there holding my bed and my milk and I, I watched him play and I saw immediately that the guitar was tuned differently and there was a different picking style. And I, I just had like an epiphany and I thought, this is a completely unique guitar. Uh, genre. It's like, you know, like a South African blues. And I, I, I'd really like to learn it. So I, shyly, I went up to him and I said, could you teach me? And he couldn't speak English that well. So it started off with gestures. When he explained later, this exchange in itself was illegal. Yeah. A white person could it mm-hmm. after a certain period of the day or certain locations, like a white person could it talk to a black person And he had to basically hide Mm -hmm. to be able to socialize with with these African workers who come from like a Sulu tribe. Mm -hmm. And then he meets Sifu Mushunu, who's a Sulu musician. And that's where he forms Jiluka, the first South African multicultural band. He 
he talks about how he didn't seek politics rather than politics sought him out because what he wanted to do was illegal, right. was activism without he even wanting to do that here. Mm -hmm. This is very interesting. Politics found me. I don't think one becomes an activist. One is not born an activist. One is confronted by a set of circumstances. Activism comes when you see a fundamental injustice. You experience that injustice. My initial sense, if I can give you an analogy, was apartheid put a fence across the road. An activist would say, why is there a fence in the road? This is crazy. Who put the fence here? I challenge this fence. It has no right to be across my path. The other way of looking at it, which is what I looked at it, was, wow, there's a fence in the road. How do you get over the fence? Is there a hole in the fence? How can I climb over the fence? In other words, my solution was, at the age of 16, was to say, there's this obstacle. It's just a pothole in the road. In, in, in the road. I'm, I'm just going to find a way around it. I think that Clegg is being very humble yes, in this moment. Yes, exactly. Because uh, all of those arrests would have deterred someone else. And the fact that he kept, he kept on. And then as an adult, wrote this beautiful song uh, in support of Nelson Mandela during a, a time that was very dangerous for him to do so. He was constantly being uh, investigated by police because of his music. The reason I'm playing all of this, apart from, first of all, it's fascinating. And I just, my, my jaw was dropped when I learned his origin. Is that what I mentioned? The first multicultural band in South Africa was a huge, big fucking deal, yeah. you know? Like th that sentence to me doesn't read as much as when you know what it took to be there and what kind of a statement that was yeah. and how that launches activism. Mm -hmm. He's such a fascinating person. Oh my God. He studied anthropology. He was, they named him the white Zulu. Yeah. <laughs> because I mean, he, he also just was super interested in the dance, the Zulu wire dance. He learned it. He performed it great. I and mean, there's a video of him on YouTube. Uh, for a music video of the, of a song of his, they're performing it. So, of, of course, we have to acknowledge Clegg for his talent as a musician and as a dancer. But I think a lot of that is also born out of his intense appreciation and his devotion to learning about the Zulu culture. Uh, he was an academic for a long period of time. He was sort of a scholar in a lot of these areas. And uh, through our research, we learned... Uh, he sort of came to a point in his life where he had to choose between academia and music, performing music. It's like you're reading my mind because <laughs> how does this all tie to Della and his music? Well, here's how he incorporates the Zulu culture, the dialogue into his music and his approach for writing music. I was running with my obsession with dance and finding this new way of creating a conversation between African language and English, African melody and uh, folk rock, Irish Celtic folk music, African rhythms and modern Western rhythms, whether it was reggae or rock or dance, and getting a conversation going. And then, of course, not only doing that, but taking from uh, Zulu uh, idea, uh, philosophy, uh, metaphor, 
um, sayings, um, idiomatic expressions, proverbs, using those as a platform to write songs from. So all these clips I've played from Johnny Clegg are from a lecture he gave at Dartmouth, which luckily they put it on YouTube and it is fascinating. It's like mm -hmm. an hour and I learned so much. Mm -hmm. But he has this bit about where he talks about how he approaches writing music that is like activism. And he says something along the lines of he got a lot of flag or got a lot, got a lot of heat for writing happy songs or songs about subjects that one might not see the connection of why are you writing about this when like people are dying like he would literally say that like oh the people are shot like why aren't you writing about that mm -hmm. and he writes about his approach and trying to find a universal language rather than sort of hitting people over the head with whatever message you want and it's a really fascinating here i want to hear it from the man himself the thing about an issue is that an issue dies. You can't, if you write about an issue, they solve it. The song's no longer relevant. So issue-based music can't talk across time. So if you're gonna write about politics and you wanna be an activist, you have to do it in a way that enables people to have an entry point so that when you into the, the work, you discover that landscape that's hidden there inside. You think, oh, okay, this is about this and that and whatever. That is the key to successful, for me, writing activism. You know, it's hard when you, when you are debating and people say, yeah, but well, what do you do? And they, you know, they've just shot dead three people and you know, that's the world we're living in, dude. Why, what are you writing about flowers and the daffodils for? So we had a whole issue about relevance. How relevant is what you're writing? What are you writing about? Why are you writing about daffodils? If I'm going to write about daffodils, I've got to write about it in a way that says the beauty of a daffodil and the way it is in its color and form is being denied me because I am oppressed. I wish I could have access to this daffodil, but I can't because I live in a township where there's no flower, no tree, no grass, no nothing. So I can write about daffodils if I want to. Uh, mine was wholeness, completeness. I come from a world that is fragmented, a world that is divided, a world that is separated. How nice would it be to be whole? So a song like Dela, when, when will we be whole? How can we, make, how can we close the circle? Because that's what we wanted. And that's what democracy in South Africa meant for us. It meant that there would be one space for everybody. So that just blows my mind away. I've never thought about Yes, we associate Della with this Yours of the Jungle and this needle drop and this joyful. But now this has added such a second layer to this song of, you know, when you hear him talk about how the, the African workers work and they were segmented and were all men and they were just there to provide the labor force of South Africa and how they weren't allowed certain things. Now Della singing about a significant other or finding joy about being complete. Mm -hmm. It's exactly what he's talking about. It's like singing such a joyful song. He's commenting on, well, depriving someone of that joy. I, like I said, it's one of my favorite episodes I've researched. Mm -hmm. I, I was not ready. I was not anticipating what, what I found. And even that, well, I just played like, like right there about how his approach for activism and you know, trying to say universal things like, I'll be thinking about that for a long time. Back to the movie soundtrack realm. Mm -hmm. This isn't the only Johnny Clegg song 
and a movie. You are correct. He actually has an original song for Fern Gully. I wanted the saxophone part. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I didn't hear the saxophone part. That's okay. But yeah, again, that joyful, content feeling. Even if I didn't know it was Johnny Clegg, I could have been like, this sounds in the same vein. This is a similar artist. Definitely. But yeah, Ferngully. Is that a future episode on the Sunday I don't know. Sound off on our socials if you want us to do Life is a Magic Thing from Ferngully. There's also another song of his on Rain Man. Scatterlings of Africa shows up on that movie. I even found he has a composing credit on a song in Lion King One and a Half. So, huh? again, it's just like, here I thought Della was like this one-off. Like, I, coming in, I thought, who is Johnny Clegg? And he's just a guy who has this random song on Years of the Jungle, and it's really fun. Boy, did I learn a lot. So. Yeah, me too. Amazing start to Needle Drops. So, is it time for answerable questions? Yes, it is. First up, seven seconds in heaven. What seven seconds from the song gives you goosebumps? I went pretty obvious on this. Okay. I just, I, I love that drum fill, that, uh-huh. the beginning chorus, like, doom, 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 boom, boom. Oh, and then you just yeah. and we were both dancing we were immediately both dancing and we'll be dancing <laughs> by the way apparently this song has it's like a wedding song i mean it makes sense was it a wedding song before george had his wedding um maybe in not in not in the western world but yeah in other parts okay it could, could be but yeah apparently it's like a, it's like a wedding song i can see why it's a very joyful song yeah right like yeah. I'd, rather, I'd rather play this at my wedding than like uh slow dance that everyone watches me dance uncomfortably like i wonder like everyone join in and just like oh oh my life i thought you were gonna do a throwback to i don't want to miss a thing where you (laughs) criticized everyone who has played that song at their wedding no i thought about it but i feel bad about it. i really went hard on criticizing you did you You can use i don't want to miss a thing in your wedding like it's fine like i'm i was half joking (laughs) so what are your favorites Play it. Ah, <laughs> damn. <laughs> so, so you just before yours a little bit. Yeah. So you went. I see your drum fill, uh-huh. and I raise you the last chorus drum fill, which uh-huh. is like even more. Mm-hmm. So you kind of just use mine, except like the heightened version. Exactly. And then you yeah. just blew mine out of the water. <laughs> All right. I mean, honestly, we could pick any seven seconds from Checkmate. this song. Yeah, you got but, it. But yeah. You got it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Favorite lyric. Each host sheds light on their favorite lyric. Paolo, what is yours? I feel so lame for my choice. And we've talked about the inclusion of the Sulu language and all this like metaphor he uses. It's the same part that I pick for my favorite seven seconds. I've been waiting for you all my life, <laughs> hoping for a miracle. I've been waiting day and night, day Day and night. night. I just, I'm a hopeless romantic. You are. 
I relate to that feeling. <laughs> yeah. That's all I got to say. Mm-hmm. I've hoped for a miracle. I know that feeling. Yeah. Waiting day and night. <laughs> Did I say I was a hopeless romantic? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just gets me. It gets me. It yeah. gets me. Mm -hmm. Such a joyful moment in the song. Yes, I'm definitely. You? Well, I actually chose a little bit more of a, a figurative part, a part with figurative language. Of course. Yeah. That's who you are. You know, <laughs> like you're gonna, of course you're going to pick that. It's true. Mine is, I think I know why the dog howls at the moon. I like the, the imagery of it and also sort of the cheekiness that he says. I think, you know, like he's, he's come to this new understanding of how it feels and he, how it would feel to howl at the moon. What's next? This is a new question for our Needle Drop episodes. Drop in. What other movie could feature this song as a needle drop? Yeah, we're changing it up in yeah. answerable questions. All right, so we've talked a lot about joy, feeling complete. Now I'm going to be Paolo, and I went dark. Uh-oh. I went dark. So <laughs> I thought this could really work in... A juxtaposition scenario. I see. Something really dark is happening and this comes on and it just gives you an even more like, what the hell is going on here kind of thing? And I was thinking, you know, episode two of the song will go on. We covered Immigrant Song hmm. from The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the David Fincher. And we mentioned a needle drop there, the Enya one, when ah, Daniel Craig's yeah, character yeah. gets tortured. And that's where I would put Della. That kind of thing. <laughs> we were like, some crazy ass shit is going down. Someone is, maybe someone's getting burned. And you just played burn for you. But in this very <laughs> joyful it. way or something. Oof, I just went full psychopath. But I think it would really work. So I don't know. That's what I would do. Are you I respect are you afraid it. Of me? <laughs> no, I respect it. But I don't like it. Because, <laughs> because I just love this George of the Jungle scene so much. And I just threw shit ton of fire on it and said fuck it yeah i went a different way and i tried to think of like the happiest and most positive movie that i could minions <laughs> no I, I thought of enchanted but that's huh. a musical so yeah i'm not proud of this answer let's see if you can redeem yourself <laughs> to be continued is there another needle drop from this movie that you'd like to cover no there's some other stuff, but it's very like like the wipeout, like it's just yeah. And those that appears in so many movies that doesn't feel like it's not even a needle drop. It's sort of like a like I like when needle like a TikTok audio needle drops have to feel singular to the movie, in my opinion. If it gets overused in every movie, then I just don't associate it with neither. You know. Yeah. Fair. Will the song go on? Do you think this song will keep being part of pop culture or will it be forgotten? That is a really good question. I definitely hope so. I hope that just like me, people learn about Johnny Clegg and his work and that gets discovered because unfortunately he passed away a couple of years ago. This is yeah. very sad. I do hope that his work keeps getting discovered. Maybe hopefully not everyone has to start a podcast about soundtracks <laughs> to do so. I don't know. The Brendan Fraser Renaissance could put George of the Jungle up there back in the spotlight. I don't know. So this is a tough one. I just feel like once millennials stop talking about it, like, are we gonna, are, is anyone else gonna care? No, I disagree. I think that this 
song definitely has legs without this movie. Maybe this movie introduced us to this song, us being like a Western audience. Uh, but I absolutely think that Johnny Clegg's legacy and his music lives way on past George of the Jungle. Yeah, good job in like smacking me on the face. <laughs> like, it's not all about movies in Hollywood. There's yeah. like other people in the world who listen to music. Right. And it also has a wedding song. Apparently it has a wedding song culture, so... I support it. It looks like it's living on in there, so... Yeah. Okay, to cap us off, let's do YouTube comments. You ready? Please, I hope nothing dark and evil about this song. I'll be crushed. No, spoiler alert. Good vibes okay, <laughs> here yes. on out. Let's finish up with good vibes, <laughs> yeah. just like the movie, George of the Jungle. Okay. Let's take the time to recognize and appreciate the man behind this beautiful song, Mr. Johnny Clegg, a real South African hero that united South Africa with his music through our darkest times. His light will never die out. It will shine forever. Rest in peace, sir. Honestly, I just, I cannot say enough about how much respect mm -hmm. I have for this me too. artist who I just discovered. And not just, this doesn't stop here for me. This doesn't stop here. I've actually, since doing the research, been listening to like his work. Yeah. And especially that album, Cool, Crazy, Beautiful World. Like mm -hmm. some bangers in there. It's not just this. Like, absolutely. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Here's another one. I love this song so much. I know it's weird, but it used to make me cry as a kid when it came on during the movie because it made me so happy. Nothing, nothing weird about that. Yeah, it's just like, you know. Yeah. And, uh, watch I, Inside Out. It's good to cry sometimes. Absolutely. <laughs> but I think crying out of joy is no, a yeah, more complicated I know. feeling. So I, I can feel the emotions bubble up when I listen to this song, not gonna lie. This song becomes more meaningful after Leslie Mann admitted that she fell in love with Brendan Fraser while filming the movie. She was it the horse scene? <laughs> well, it was the. she said the <laughs> wedding scene was the hardest because of how many takes they did when they were looking at each other and smiling, and that's when she realized it. I did not fact check this because I didn't want to find out that it wasn't true. <laughs> because I, I mean, love her and Judd Apatow, don't get me wrong, but like this... This would have really made my dreams come true. <laughs> Honestly, the love story we never had. This, I know. This you know, thinking about Leslie Mann now, again, maybe this is just she wasn't acting and she was just expressing, but she knows how to put on a good smitten face. I agree. Like, yeah. you know, every time she just like smiled and look at George, you're like, ah, she, yeah. Like, yeah. She, she is falling throughout this entire movie for sure. Aren't we all? <laughs> yeah. And our last comment, I promise I did not write this, but it just seemed too appropriate for what we're doing today. One of the best well-chosen movie songs in history. <laughs> it fits the movie so well. And obviously we agree. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, I'd love to hear what like people listening to this episode think about. Do they know this song? Do they have... Do they have such a strong connection like we did? Yeah, honestly, we would love to hear what you have to say about this needle drop. Uh, and feel free to like reach out on social media, Instagram, Twitter, at the song will go on. Or if you need more than 140 characters to tell us all your feelings about this song, write us an email. The song will go on at gmail.com. And while you're at it, if you got any favorite needle drops that you want to hear us cover, let us know. But you can only listen to them on Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're we're gonna give you some yes, tidbits yes. on the main feed. Yeah, this is a, a long process, and again, we're really trying to build a community here of just 
geeking out over movies, music, and the combination of both, that magical combination. Um, so we will be posting them our main feed for a bit. So I think this is a blast, our first you know, drop. Well, you know what this means. Your pick is up next. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. And if you want to know what he picked, got to check out the Patreon. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Good producing, Self. Thank you. <laughs> all right. That's all we got for you today. Thanks so much for joining us. See you on the next song. Bye. The song will go on is written, researched, and produced by Sofia Matano and Paolo Gracini. Theme music is composed by William Russell. Consulting producers are JP Lee and Jonathan Fisher. Recording, editing, and mixing by Sofia Matano and Paolo Grassini. The song will go on. It's a Gigawatts podcast. You can find Gigawatts on YouTube and on Instagram at Gigawatts underscore YouTube. Gigawatts!